Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find weird, interesting stories from the past and find great guests to tell these stories to. Usually they're coming in blind, they're always coming in blind, and I'm really excited to have improviser Mary Kerwin here with me today. Hello, Mary. Hello. Ah, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I don't really know where to start off with this one, because I'm going to be honest, this is, um, this is a weird one. That's, that's brilliant. That's perfect. Kind of, kind of dark in, at times, but I think it's an important one. Uh, so Mary, I'm going to be talking to you about another Mary of history. Okay. My competitor. (laughs) Competitor. Yeah. It's not Mother Mary. Okay. Have you ever heard of Mary Toft? No, no. It sounds familiar, but I'm sure it's, I don't know this person at all. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit gross. It's a bit of a gross one. <laughs> so brace yourself. On the 14th of November, 1726, the Daily Mail, which by the way, I didn't know that the Daily Mail went all the way back to 1726. That's kind of amazing. I wonder, were they still gossiping about celebrities back then as well? Or like body shaming women? I'm sure they were. Oh, yeah. 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 But in different in different ways. Yeah. In different yeah. ways. There were different beauty standards back then. So, yeah. I also, I probably should have checked this. I'm not sure if it's the, it probably isn't the exact same Daily Mail that exists today. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of a common term, like the Daily Mail. They probably didn't have the website, but I'd say it's the same otherwise. <laughs> exact same, same print. Yeah. But yeah, so the on the front page news, they had a story about a poor country woman named Mary Toft, who had given birth to rabbits. Oh my God. I don't know this lady, actually. <laughs> now that you mention it, I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, so the story had been around for a few weeks and would continue to dominate headlines. So this is about... Mary Toft of the 1700s who convinced the medical... Do you know what? Yeah. This is a classic Daily Mail story (laughs) though at the same time. Like this is confirming that it is the same Daily Mail that is out today. (laughs) Or Heat magazine. Or Heat, yeah. It wasn't just the Daily Mail. It was all newspapers. This was like... Okay. This was hot goss everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I understand why, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, woman birthing rabbits. Mm. So yeah, I also want to just, this is a bit of a a tidbit in regards to my research, Mm. but I started researching this on Christmas Eve Eve. Okay. And in my research, I found that I just uh, stumbled upon this book by Karen Harvey called The Impostress Rabbit Breeder. And it was basically detailing the accounts of the story from the perspective of women's and social history. Okay. And she wrote it because she was planning a module about Mary Toft and discovered that no such book exists. So I was like, right, I need to get my hands on this book. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to do this episode, this is the book I need to, yeah. to get. Particularly with something like this, there's so many websites that are like, Oh, you rabbit breeder woman, Mary Toft, unusual thing, Mm. like unusual thing that happened in history. Most of them aren't very factual or they're contradicting or they only really have the facts, but then don't really go into the detail of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get this book. And I also found out that it only came out in 2020. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is like, okay, this is great groundbreaking historical journalism. I'm I'm getting this book and it's going to be great. Uh, So I was like determined to get this book. And I was searching online and because it was, a, I wanted it ASAP because I didn't want to wait in the post yeah. to get this book. And because it was a new book, there wasn't an audio book or it wasn't available yeah. online. 
But then I discovered that there was one copy of it in my local library. Oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) So I was like, oh my goodness, this is my Christmas miracle. It is, yeah. (laughs) Getting this book. And a testament to the Irish library system as well. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But it was Christmas Eve, Eve. Okay, the library closes in two hours. If I don't get this book now... You know, this is a Christmas movie. This this is a Christmas movie. Yeah. So my housemate like came with me because he wanted to go to Super Value for some reason. So the two of us are like, okay, gotta help me on my journey for my Christmas miracle. Go to the library, and I went to the library and I was like, right, I want this book. And I must say, I must have been very weird going into the library. Very specifically, I want this book about this woman who births rabbits. Yes, I'm thinking of birthing a rabbit myself. Yeah, I need to be able to reference something. So I was like, right, instead of like looking for the book in this massive library. I'm just gonna be like okay here's the reference number Mm. like give me that book and the librarian was like oh that's not that's not right that's not the right reference code I'm like but that's the one that's online so she Mm. like brought me to the section and it was under health and she like looked and she's like oh it's not here and I was like what is my Christmas miracle not gonna happen oh my god and then she's like right if it's anywhere it should be in this section because half the libraries um because you put in like the general Ireland library system half the libraries have it under one reference code and then a couple have it under the other one, which is apparently the wrong one. We went to where it should have been. She's like, right, if we have the book, sometimes we have books in the system, but they're not here. If we have the book, it will be in this section. Oh, it looks like it's not here. And then she left. And me, I ha- I was like looking, I was like, I gotta have this book. It's gotta be here. And then in my head, I was like, I know how libraries work. It's not gonna be here. I feel like it's back in the health section because Who's ever stacking, they're not checking to see if the book, right? They just look at the number and have it match the number. Yeah. And she says it wasn't there, but we went back. So after looking there, we went back to the health section and was looking and I was, and we were looking for it. And then, and then my housemate found it and I was like, there it is. Oh my God. Do you have it with you now? (laughs) I have it downstairs. Oh, okay. Okay. Show the podcast listeners the book. (laughs) The reason it was there, here's my theory, is because I was looking and I was like, why would I, because the library was like, it wouldn't be in hell. But it was sandwiched between like a load of like pregnancy books. Like what to, so it was like, someone must have just thought this was like a genuine. Yeah. Like what's the title of the book again? Like what's it actually called? It's called The Imposterous rabbit breeder mary toft in 18th century england <laughs> oh so maybe like maybe if the library doesn't have like if you're into like animal breeding they don't have a specific section for that so they just put it into health maybe into, into like a reproduction or something um it's still strange still people. yeah anyway, i was yeah. very delighted i got this book so most of my research comes from that book by Karen Harvey. It's an excellent book if you are interested in this. I definitely recommend reading it or getting your hands on it. It goes into a lot of detail just about what the world was like, like the social context, which I think is so important when we hear about these stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, as I was saying, there was loads of these different websites and contradicting news. So whenever there was contradicting sources, I stuck to what was in, you know, the Oxford University Press published book, yeah. as opposed to some random omgfacts.com or something. Yeah, or, or the, the current Daily Mail, whatever. The, or the current Daily Mail. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a really long uh, intro. Yeah. But I was really excited. I got my Christmas miracle and I got my That's amazing. My book. Yeah, that's so cool. You know? Oh God, I love the Irish library system. It's amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> Shout good. out. I'm going to go online and re- reserve that book and then you'll what will start happening is you'll kind of start getting hassles for that book to be returned after that <laughs> so that's what I'll do I've, I've done I'm done my time with it okay. um, my mom read it as well it's it's very well written mm. like it's not like a super dense history book and it's quite mm. interesting 
So that's where I got a lot of my information and kind of mm-hmm. good grounding. So yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, Mary Toft, she was born Mary Denyer, was baptized on the 21st of February, 1703 mm-hmm. in Godalming. Okay. In Surrey. And is that still a place or is, you know, place names change over time? It's a mouthful. Um, I'm not sure. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. I, Good. Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> You need to go there on a trip now. I, I will. Yeah. Um, in nineteen twenty, at the age of seventeen, she married Joshua Toft, who was eighteen, mm. a poor cloth worker. Like most people in the area, they were suffering from economic decline. Mm-hmm. So it was a very poor area. Um yeah. in England. It was kind of, you know, before the Civil War. Um, it was a very poor area that was a small town kind of controlled by a very small elite. But yeah, yeah, like a landlord or something. Yeah, it was mainly like mm. workers and really not doing so great economically, which is yeah. very important when we think about this story. Yeah, yeah. So they had Anne a couple of years later after they got married, who unfortunately passed away because unfortunately with low income families, especially back then, uh, most children died very young. young. Yeah, oh. It's awful. Um, but then they had another child, James, who who didn't <coughs> die. Who didn't die. So that's yeah, that's good. Uh, good. So the story goes as such: when Mary was around twenty four, she she saw and chased rabbits while working in a field and became infatuated with them. Um, according to reports, she had had a miscarriage a month earlier in August seventeen twenty six, but Mary still appeared to be pregnant. And on September 27th, she went into labor and was attended initially by her neighbor, Mary Gill. A lot of Marys. A lot of Marys. A lot of Marys. (laughs) And then her mother-in-law, Anne Toft. And according to reports, she gave birth to something resembling a liverless cat. A liverless cat? Yeah. uh, This is very gross (laughs) and really, really sad. Okay. But, you know, it was probably you know some sort of late-term miscarriage or yeah oh gosh yeah oh, that's so sad yeah it's, yeah it's really sad so was this what was then they thought it was the rabbit or is this a later thing they thought it was like some monstrosity of some sort yeah a monstrous birth okay. is what it was kind of referred to yeah yeah so then john howard a wealthy doctor living in guilford which wasn't too far away, he was sent for and he found nothing unusual. And then Mary went into labor again. And a few days later, produced some animal parts. (gasps) And I quote, three legs of a cat of tabby color and one leg of a rabbit. In them were three pieces of the backbone of an email. An email? An eel. An email? (laughs) I don't know why I said (laughs) There was like just a draft of an email in there as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Predicting the future. Um, So this would continue on for many weeks, mainly rabbit parts. The exact number of animal parts and rabbit parts that she produced varies from source to source. So... Oh, God. But it's at least a dozen. This is... And like, do we... Is this that they were, they didn't understand what was going on at the time? Or is the doctor right? Like, was there animal parts coming out? And it's like, what was going on? What was she doing? I, it's hard to know. Oh, they were genuine animal, animal parts. parts. Okay, yeah. It's not that they just didn't understand, like, afterbirth or something, or placenta, what that looked like. 
I mean, my understanding of it is that the first one was a really traumatic, horrible miscarriage. Yeah. Oh, God. And all of the other ones were animal parts. Oh, my God. Yeah, I told you. And, we're getting... It's, oh, it's, this it's is not a very fun episode. I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll make it fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so was there an explanation for this? What did Do we know what hap- what was happening yeah so we'll, i was gonna tell you the story and then we yeah. can kind of get forward mm. so john howard wrote a series of letters to various esteemed people in london mm. nathaniel saint andre who was the king's anatomist was sent by king charles himself to investigate further so okay. by the time saint andre arrived on the 15th of november toft was about to have her 15th rabbit delivery oh my god wow he rushed there because he's like, I, I got to get there for this rabbit yeah. birth. Uh, she was in pain and delivered a rabbit torso, skinned, heart and lungs attached. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the rabbit would have been roughly four months of age. A few months later, she delivered the lower half of a rabbit. Okay. Yeah. And that evening, so later that evening, the lower half of a rabbit and the fur was still on this rabbit. Oh my God. And Saint Andre was utterly convinced that this woman was giving birth to rabbits. Like, that, like, yeah, she had had like sexy time with a rabbit previously and was now delivering. Yeah. That's what he thought. <laughs> or did no? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So I was going to say this later but i'll just say it get into it now there was a theory going on at the time called maternal imagination okay which was basically the thought that i mean they didn't really understand childbirth that much and what was happening here was a shift in the medical world so for the first time ever doctors were really kind of allowed in the birthing process yeah it mainly was like just a woman's room yeah 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 yeah. Um, but it was, you know, and there was kind of starting to get the shift from, you know, religious superstitious views straight into like medical practice. Yeah. yeah. So there was this strong theory called maternal imagination, which is basically the theory that when a woman is pregnant, her imagination or her mind, if she is like scared enough or if she's thinking about something enough, influences what the child would look like or like what would happen. So... You know, the idea being that she saw rabbits and became obsessed with rabbits that because she was thinking about them so she much. She altered yeah. the, the baby. Yeah. Okay. And and stuff like that. So that was like a widespread theory that wasn't 100% confirmed, but it's something that a lot of respected doctors genuinely believed in. Yeah. I believe it's also just kind of a way to blame women for various birth defects. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, you're not being calm enough. The baby came out stressed or yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, just blaming women. Yeah, um, it's the historical version of of that. Yeah. So St. Andre was completely convinced. And a few days later, he sent for another doctor came. So there's basically more and more really elite doctors okay. like coming yeah. to this. So Syracus Ahlers arrived on November 20th. Mm-hmm. And when he arrived, he was shown some of the rabbit pieces she had birthed at. And he couldn't understand how a rabbit was skinned in the womb, which is, you know, a legitimate question. It was skinned. It was without skin, was some it? Some of the rabbit parts were, not all okay. of them. Okay, yeah, okay. John Howard explained, and this is 
a ridiculous explanation. John Howard explains that violent pressure in the uterus against the pelvic bone is how the rabbit was birthed skinned, which, oh, I mean, I don't know. I've, you know, never been pregnant, but that doesn't seem medically sound. No, that doesn't seem, yeah. That does, but, but neither does uh, your man Andre's theory either seem like a, a viable explanation. No, that wasn't his but theory. That no, was a... a general theory oh, that, was that was going around at the, the general, time that was yeah. a strong belief um i also want to like yeah. point out that this is the time around the same time as well that pig-faced women were genuinely believed to be true okay yeah like it's the same kind of period and, yeah interestingly the pig-faced woman again that was probably her mother's fault for imagining things in the womb is that ever keeping up with the theory <laughs> uh well some people believe that is how pig-faced women came about yeah. Now the 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 story is um you know the story is she she was cursed. Yeah. But doctors were like we don't believe in curses. Yeah. It was probably the mother's imagination. You imbeciles. <laughs> we have the actual explanation. <laughs> exactly. But you know not all doctors were like, you know, Atlas was probably the most suspicious of all the doctors he was still suspicious he was like okay i don't quite buy this whole pelvic bone skinning a rabbit story a few hours later he delivered the hind parts of a rabbit skinned with just flesh and bones although not actively he didn't so allers was clearly more skeptical than the other doctors Mm -hmm. but he still didn't outright dismiss it he still wasn't outright like no this is ridiculous he was just very skeptical uh, skeptical mm. his accounts of the birth are very graphic and he hints that he felt it was very performative by both john howard and by both mary and he notes that he thought it was odd how mary laughed heartily twice oh this is so interesting i'm i i am so excited not excited but eager to hear what's going on just that last sentence very oh my god Yeah. A few days later, we have another elite doctor sent from London, Mm -hmm. Richard Manningham. Mm -hmm. He only witnessed the birth of a small rabbit bladder. So I guess he was kind of disappointed with that, which he said looked like a pig's bladder. Yeah. He put it in his pocketbook for safekeeping to show the lads in London. (laughs) The lads. (laughs) The lads. So he took it. uh, What's the town called? Oh, that's where she's born. But Surrey. Well, no, that's where she was still living as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Toft was kept under constant supervision and was eventually moved to London to be prodded and studied even more by more doctors and to be closer to King George the First. So even though the king never met um, Mary, him and other royals were very interested in it. And obviously, word. the story had been going around for a while, but you know now it's like it's really hitting the press. Everyone's like, "Rabbit breeder coming to London." Yeah. So, yeah, in London, Mary was often surrounded by not just doctors, the number of which examining her grew, kept growing more and more. Mm. Basically, all of the best and most elite doctors in the country were going to check out Mary. She's finally getting the healthcare that she, I think, needed from, from the beginning. Mm, I so this could have been... don't really know if she's getting proper healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, her room was always crowded with was often crowded with not just doctors but nobility reporters onlookers trying to get a look at her oh god i'd I'd really i'd i'd really not like that now myself if i was delivering rabbit parts i i'd need privacy and i I especially wouldn't like royalty and just nobility hanging around my room i just that'd be a nightmare for me (laughs) and also i talked about mary's class yeah. There's no way in any circumstance that she would have been anywhere near these kind of men. 
Yeah. So it would have been extra overwhelming for her, I think, to be surrounded by them. <laughs> yeah. Mary continued to produce rabbit parts. The doctors would meet and discuss the examined parts. They put a rabbit lung in water and found that it floated, which hints that the rabbit had been exposed to outside oxygen. Later, part of a cat was birthed and discovered with fish bones in its gut, which again, you know, isn't pretty. It has been eating things. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, you know, found pet, uh, poo pellets in a rat and part of a rabbit as well, which again, uh, hints, yeah. hints at this. They'd been outside her womb before. Yeah. And they were examining her. St. Andre found milk in Toph's breasts and thus mm-hmm. concluded that the births were gen- genuine. Atlers for all this time was like, it's genuine. This proves this theory. She's given birth to rabbits. I'm telling the king this. Atlers was still skeptical and he examined her and found no milk in her breast, but he still delivered a five-page account called Anatomical Description of the Several Parts of the 16th Rabbit to the King. Catchy title. Wow. Like, it must have been awful. All these doctors were, like, prodding her. And unfortunately, there isn't really any accounts of, you know, Mary. It's all just the doctors and the, the doctor's reports. Yeah. That's our main source, historically. So Manningham, and this is a quote from his writings, diligently searched the whole vagina. Oh, God. They don't even say, like, Mary's yeah. vagina. They're just, like, the whole vagina. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, and a lot of these experiments were painful and they were purposely putting Mary through pain sometimes in these experiments to test things and see what was going on. He viewed the births as impossible from his evidence and because he concluded that the cervix was closed. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of talked about maternal imagination Mm -hmm. and so although a lot of doctors were doubtful Mm -hmm. They were all weary to publicly reject the idea because if it was correct, it would be an amazing discovery. If these Mary Toff births were genuine, that would prove maternal imagination, which hadn't been proved yet. So these were like academic doctors and kind of hunting for fame. They wanted to to be there. They wanted to be the one to have that claim, being like this doctor proved maternal imagination and go down and... Yeah, they wanted their theory to be the theory that turns out to be right. Not even Um, their theory, because, again, this was a strong theory going around. They wanted to prove it. Yeah, yeah. So it was a widely accepted theory by the medical community, but no one had proved it. So if it was proved, that'd be great. Mary Toft really excited the doctors on the chance that it was true, because it was like, oh my God, we can finally prove this theory once and for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accounts showed rough, intense, violent examinations with no care or regard to Mary. Uh, this was about career building and fame for them. And Mary was a very lower class person. And her examinations just kept growing more and more intense. And by December 4th, 1726, four different doctors examined her one after the other, like boom, 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 boom. Oh, God. And so how long were these labors going on for? Like, are we talking months that you would kind of keep on delivering bits of animals or is it years a few weeks okay okay it basically yeah. goes from like november to december yeah okay but that's a, that's a long time uh to be a labor for in and out yeah yeah there was an open invitation as well for anyone willing to examine her of the distinguished men present in the room whenever she went into pain and several people took up on that mm-hmm. so mary would just start going being in pain or being in labor and you're like right Anyone want to examine her and and come up with their own theories? Oh, it's gross. Yeah, 
Oh, I think if if you put an ad out for that, you would there'd be plenty of people who'd say yes to it. Yeah. <laughs> Mary was often left alone in her pain for scientific examinations, and there's several mm. eerie accounts of this. There is no sympathy from the men for its toft in any of the records. Many of these doctors, we have letters really nice lovely letters that they sent to their wives which indicates that it was mainly a class issue rather than a sexist issue. okay i mean it was obviously sexist yeah. but it wasn't that like these men saw women as just yeah things it was class yeah, yeah. it was because she was poor yeah and lower class and a woman then she was treated incapable of feeling yeah Whereas it was clear from their letters to it that they didn't view women as incapable of feeling yeah. just the lower class. Well, that's the thing, I think, um, in medicine in general. I think, like, people of certain ethnicities are are less likely to get a pain medication when they need to because they're seen mm-hmm. as not being able to experience pain to the same extent that we do. Uh, um, that's a huge thing still with mm-hmm. women not getting pain medication. Yeah. I even remember I did a first aid mm-hmm. course with my job a few mm-hmm. years ago and and there was a woman doing the first aid course too it's like oh if a man cries you know he's really in pain and I'm like yeah you know like if a woman cries from pain it's often dismissed yeah whereas I you know I mean have you ever seen a a guy get waxed yeah like even his legs for charity I know that's the thing in my school people wax their like guys wax their legs for charity yeah or you know I I once like you, you know tweezed my boyfriend's arm when I was a teenager not like all of it just like a little like and just the scream of pain and it was like women are much tougher than than men and yet medically they get pain medication if they cry and if a woman's crying like oh she's just hysterical she's not really in pain it's just more emotional don't give her pain medication you know even when my appendix exploded it was viewed as period pains and I was left with no medication for hours but that's a different story that's a different (laughs) podcast (laughs) that's a different podcast Uh, that's not absurd real history that's more (laughs) depressing ways the world is still sexist even though a lot of people don't think it is yes exactly oh but you know I remember reading uh an article about a woman and she'd had a really difficult birth I think maybe she'd had c-section and the doctors wouldn't give her any more pain medication afterwards. And so in the end, like she sent her husband to the doctor to pretend he had back pain to get to get medication. And he got a higher strength of uh, painkillers than she would, was given when she left the hospital after a C-section. Like just because he had a slight bit of pain or back pain. So over the next couple of days for Barry, everything started to un ravel because plot twist mary she wasn't really giving birth to animal parts i i suspected i had yeah. i had suspicions now yeah but you know animal parts were coming out of her so yeah yeah just just yeah just think about that yeah yeah like was she was she she must have just been really psychologically distressed and was she putting things up herself was that what was happening Maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Thomas Howard, no relation to John Howard, the doctor at the start of all this. He was a porter of the house and where she was staying was a relatively high in cast. So he was caught planning to sneak rabbit parts into the back door. Some accounts say a conversation was overheard. Others say he was out and out caught. But either way, he was caught sneaking rabbit parts. Okay, 
Yeah. So this is now, this is all starting to look very suspicious. <laughs> and it was paid, paid by Mary. So Mary had paid him to. It's a real, real shame that someone didn't interview Mary. Like this is, like they're, they're trying to uh, research like a childbirth and that area of medicine when this is actually a more interesting study on her psychology, like yeah. what's going on in her brain. Well, um. She did get interviewed. Well, not really interviewed, yeah. more interrogated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a man named Thomas Onslow interviewed various witnesses that proved the rabbits were not genuine births. Three people said that her husband had asked them to buy rabbits, specifically young ones. Yeah. So again, hmm, a woman is breathing rabbit parts. Yeah. But her husband is asking people to buy rabbit parts. Yeah. 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 So Mary was taken into custody on counts of, mm. um, you know, imposture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the case now shifted from a medical one to a criminal one. Mm-hmm. And if she was famous before, now she was crazy famous. Yeah. Because in this period of time, celebrity culture wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. And criminals were kind of treated as celebrities. So whenever yeah. there's a big case, and it was also very embarrassing for the doctors because it was like, okay, this poor illiterate young woman tricked some of England's most esteemed yeah. doctors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the smartest doctors in the country were were duped or, yeah, duped. Is that a word? Duped? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, weird. that's, weird. that's weird. Duped by a woman who couldn't read. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There are three documents detailing her confessions, which are the richest and only form of evidence we really have in mm-hmm. regards to what happened. The documents were never published and they only exist in rushed handwritings and shorthand of the men that were interrogating her. Okay. Her voice is layered through the writing on one hand. On another hand, we don't know how much of what she was saying is genuine or Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. But it's still the only kind of thing we have as to what was actually going on. Yeah, it's only because we we obviously know that it's she wasn't actually giving birth. So this is the only thing that we would have that would offer an explanation about why the body parts were going up there. Yes. So Thomas Clarges from the Justice of Peace, a powerful local official, was her interrogator and the main guy investigating the case. Yeah. In his first interrogation with her, he was not happy with the answers. Mary gave very vague answers. Mm. Mary insisted that the first birth was real and that the other ones were done after a mysterious woman told her to put animals up her vagina for money. This woman was, and this is like a quote from her confession, a woman whose husband is a knife and shoes grinder, which is all the information she kind of gave about her. Whose husband is a knife and shoes grinder. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Mary insisted on the innocence of everyone she knew. So this woman mm. probably didn't exist. It was probably yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Um, here's another interesting quote from her confession, which I don't really know what means. And I don't think the interviewer did either. Um, but it's makes me really sad. So this is, well, this is not her. This is a quote from... The document. So this is mm. Thomas Clark. I asked her if her fits were real or counterfeit. She answered, she had been subject to fits all her life to a greater degree. Okay. That's, that's so, yeah. Mm. This is so interesting. I, I'd love to know, like, 
their interrogating like their interrogation I wonder like how ethical their interrogation would be in, in, in how we like see interrogating today like do they it probably if it was on like making a murder or something like that we probably would not be happy with how they were speaking to her and dragging out information um I don't think they were torturing her though but yeah, yeah definitely yeah. You're, you're definitely right there's there was definitely a pressure there yeah uh, and I have a whole load of issues with making a murderer myself which I'm not going to <laughs> get into so great. Um, um, so on de- yeah so on December 8th so again this is all happening in very quick yeah succession you know a couple of days ago she was still birthing rabbits now she's having her second interview yeah this time she had a completely different story than the first time and mm-hmm. um, she denied all knowledge of how rabbits entered her body Okay. But she started yeah. to implicate her mother-in-law, Anne, so Anne Toft, hinting possibly it was done while she was asleep. Okay. Which, yeah, classic Anne Toft behaviour, really. Yeah. <laughs> Toft was charged with imposture and placed in jail until the case could go through the courts. Uh, she had no money for bail, so she had to stay, you know, mm-hmm. locked. Classic, yeah. I wonder, would that be illegal today? Like, I kind of feel like... What part of office? Like, you wouldn't... feel like it should all be illegal. <laughs> you wouldn't like... But no, but it just say, like, if I were to do that, if I, or if I were to stage some sort of illness about myself, would you get into trouble? Like, can, can you get into trouble for wasting, like, doctor's time? Like, is that a thing? I, like, I'm not going to do that. This isn't the I plan I have. Seriously, don't worry. Um, frowned upon? Yeah, I think it's frowned upon. But, like, to say if I were to, like, create a new and interesting illness and start wasting doctor's time, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. Because remember there was that guy, this is a complete segue, he had been injecting himself with semen. Do you remember that? That was like a year or two ago. Very vaguely, yes. Yeah, he had been injecting himself. And I'm sure like that was like spoken about in the media, but it wasn't illegal. Oh, he was doing, giving me the CBGBs. Yeah, he went into he went into the doctor or into the hospital and his arm was swelling up because he'd been injecting his arm with semen for a year. But oh. yeah. No. I suppose now we under no we understand now though that like they're not well. There's not like it's not like they're lying about not being well. They're just lying about the way that they're not well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. You know when I started this podcast, I was like, oh, I just want to do like fun stories of the past. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, oh, remember <laughs> crazy the Hoover flights fiasco and Disneyland opening was a real mess, and it's it's. It's turned it's it's turned to weird dark places, but I think it's important. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to just ignore the dark things that happened for the sake of keeping things light. Yeah, and I think to be fair, most things that we remember from history are dark. <laughs> like they, they kind of don't they don't get recorded if they're not uh, um, dark in some ways. But yeah. Um, yeah, I do think this is an important story to tell, though, just yeah. in regards to. Mary and how Mary is viewed, which I'll get into a bit Mm. later. Yes. So in a final interrogation by Clarges, Mary admits to the hoax 
and he's finally happy because they just wanted her to admit that it was a hoax. Yeah. Which he hadn't done yet. She says that her mother-in-law and Toft had put her up to it mm-hmm. and the men were satisfied. Now, I just want to say that I didn't read these myself. So I had a look at them and honestly, I couldn't understand the handwriting of these men. Yeah. <laughs> Old-timey. Um, Old-timey person. handwriting is the hardest, yeah, yes. to read. Um, but luckily, my gal, Karen Harvey who wrote that excellent book, mm-hmm. she went through them all. So uh, like all of this is kind of her understanding of it, her um, an- yeah. an- analyst. One thing that is focused in a lot in all of the confessions was Mary's pain. Mm-hmm. And she often describes detailed, heavy bleeding, particularly the first birth. Yeah. Which we're saying, and to her, it's very clear that this was... yeah. For her, kind of what kickstarted everything, and um, she often describes detailed, yeah. heavy bleeding, and how she passed the afterbirth, and she uses words like flooding. It was obviously an extremely traumatic and painful event. Mm. Uh, one with which that Mary viewed as the trigger to events that followed. What actually happened, which I'm sure you can guess now, is that animals were put up into her vagina and even according to one doctor all the way up into her uterus oh god oh jesus so although the births were fake mary's pain was definitely not fake oh my god there were sharp nails on paws on a lot of the parts that had to pass through mary you know at one point in london she got a fever (laughs) from like infection like You know, this is painful. Very, very painful. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, my According God. To, yeah, yeah, I told you. Yeah. I, I have an IUD and, like, that, like, gets put up through your cervix into your uterus. And it is the most painful thing that you have ever experienced. It's like maybe you're going to start vomiting and just fall off the fucking bed. That way, You know, it's just so bad. I can't imagine oh what having a cat parts put up through there would feel like mainly rabbit parts rabbit parts yeah mm. lots of them oh <laughs> like my God. you know oh at least 15 coming yeah oh my god yeah so That's according so... to t- yeah it's it's <laughs> fucked <laughs> according to talked the two women responsible were the nameless one from her first account even though pretty sure that shoe and grinder woman is not a real woman but she sticks that she was still responsible to her. And Anne Toft, who made her do it and helped her shove him up there. Um, oh, my God. And it was, to, it was to make a good living. Harvey, who was studying the confessions, states that it's really clear from them how Mary was frightened of her mother-in-law, Anne. There's a gory description of Anne inserting a jagged rabbit skull. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Anne yeah. sounds like a nightmare mother-in-law. Like, cause like mm-hmm. that, you know, you always worry that, that you'll end up with something <laughs> bad, but yeah, probably not going to be as bad as Anne talked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. There are no historical mm-hmm. records of Mary's own mother, which may sound incidental, but considering the period of time we're at it's hugely significant yeah this would have been at a time where mothers would have been highly involved in their daughter's lives and after marriage so it's clear from my eyes that mary was a victim yeah i don't think this was her like oh i'm gonna trick people um and 
it seems like some big plot from the women around her. Because yeah. back then in this period of time, you know, there were groups of women were very much yeah. a thing, you know, working in the field. There was a yeah. history of it. And it was clear that she was very much alone um, and young. Yeah. You know, maybe the fact that she didn't have a connection with her own mother is how she was able to get exploited by these women around her. Mm. Karen Harvey kind of suggests various theories of perhaps women were punishing her for not fulfilling her reproduction duty. Juicy. Yeah. That was like a big thing at the time. And she had only one kid at this stage. Yeah. I'd love to know their, like, I agree with Karen Harvey that they were possibly trying to like punish her in some way. I'd love to know exactly what their rationale is though for this form of punishment. Like, well, like, you know, another one is for the money. Mm. Um, but then she didn't really get that much money. That's always the thing no. everyone says is she did it for the money, you know, because it was at a yeah. time when freak shows were a thing. Yeah. So people would pay good money to see a woman birthing rabbits. Yeah. There is another theory that it wasn't for the, money but it was a purposeful trick on the elite as a form of protest by the lower class mm. rabbits were a symbol of the elite during this time oh and there's at this time there were protests happening and we know for a fact that mary's husband was involved in some of these protest years beforehand and various incidents yeah that that i like that theory and i i think you know she probably wouldn't have had access to healthcare or to doctors. And there's something kind of interesting about her trying to get doctor's attention by going about the, going about it this way. Yeah, basically a weird protest symbol of how the yeah. illiterate poor could dupe the elite rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which the rich viewed is not very good. Yeah. Um, but on Saturday, the 8th of April, so after four months of being in jail um toft was released without charge at least that's the date newspapers reported mm. that she was released yeah um as technically no crime had been committed it didn't meet the requirements of fraud at the time yeah that's that's interesting now that that kind of um answers my question about you know whether we would get arrested for that today mm. as well so now we can we can go about our plans here to to Duke doctors <laughs> well what it was is she was never claiming anything it yeah. was just kind of happening yeah and it was the doctors that put all this yeah onto it yeah and what age was she again uh 24 24 yeah yeah some accounts have her as 25 or 23 mm. um but i'm going with 24 yeah shortly after being released mary became pregnant on the registry for Godoming, her birth is registered as so the birth of her new baby. Elizabeth, daughter of Joshua Toft and Mary, his wife, being ye first child after her pretending rabbit breeding. <laughs> so that's on like the registry. Yeah. Oh God, you, you'd never live it down if you did that. You just, you know, that's all people would think of you is the rabbit breeder. So Mary never escaped. Yeah, Mary never mm. got rid of this title. Yeah. When Mary herself eventually passed away, she was buried in St. Peter's Church in Godalming, her tombstone reading The Impostress Rabbit Breeder, and her death was reported in several newspapers. So Karen Harvey talked to various midwives in the creation of her book, and according to most of them, oh well, according to all of them, Toff's description of her first birth is most likely a late miscarriage that we talked mm. to, or a malformed fetus, or a teratoma, all of which are very rarely seen now because of ultrasounds. Mm. And 
I think when thinking or speaking about Mary and her story, the trauma of all of this is crucial. Yeah. Even today, there is a lot of, there is a lot of talk about women not being able to properly grieve miscarriages. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of a theory that a lot of modern people do now is that, you know, she suffered a miscarriage and became absolutely distraught and delusional that she put these animal parts up inside her as a way of coping with that and not losing that grasp of you know I I feel yeah I feel she's definitely a victim I don't that's not something you do to yourself no matter how you start I think the fact that she was so distraught is what allowed her that and her isolation yeah from you know not having that connection with her mother the fact that you hear in the confessions how she's clearly afraid of her mother-in-law yeah it's clear that this trauma is what allowed her to be exploited yeah I feel like even if if it wasn't specifically uh Anne Toft asking her to do specifically that action I I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if maybe afterwards if she just experienced a psychological break and like people self-harm and that would kind of in some ways be a form of self-harm and like maybe she felt the pressure of her mother-in-law to have children and she saw like there was some sort of logic to her doing this to herself like putting like kind of things inside her and then giving birth to them uh, but mm. she's still a victim even if she was doing it herself because she what she needed was psychological psychological treatment you know so yeah. she's a victim in that way in that she was receiving um you know the kind of help that she didn't need my personal take on it yeah which might be wrong is that you know, she suffered this horrible traumatic event and that mm-hmm. the the malformed fetus looked kind of like a rabbit. Yeah. And her mother-in-law was kind of angry at her. And also, like, they were very poor. So thinking, like, okay, yeah. you know, you have failed bringing me children. This is a way that we can at least make some money. Yeah not really caring about her or again maybe maybe it was some scheme of like fuck these rich guys because her body would have been ready up we don't know yeah but throughout all this mary was a constant source of entertainment for tabloids and newspapers for years to come decades to come even modern day people are still there's still loads of stories about mary toft a lot of people have heard of her this was actually a recommendation to me I hadn't heard this story before and someone said it to me and at first I was like oh it's not really the vibe my podcast it's a bit uh but then you know it's just such a ridiculous story that I it's kind of has to be told I guess yeah so even when Mary was still in custody there was a local theater show that included a reconstruction of the births that got huge laughter oh god like while she was still in custody so years to come during her lifetime after her lifetime I say a good century this was like a a story Mm. humorists and satirists thrived with this story for years to come and this was a time when cruelty and laughter went hand in hand yeah which we're thankfully moving away from now yeah in the last three years maybe we have yeah (laughs) but it was still around (laughs) yeah it's clear that the press were not interested in Toft as a person and that's why we don't really have that much information about her unfortunately And there's stark contrast to how the men are described. Though the doctors were also mocked and ridiculed, Mm. uh, Mary was often shown as a deluded woman or 
sometimes shown as evil and actively trying to hoax the world. So they're the two things that Mm. the narrative that was pushed forward. And it's interesting to me how this is the the narrative that has seemed to have stuck. Yeah. I remember I was halfway through reading the Karen Harvey book and I was interrupted by a man. And when I explained to him, oh, just reading about a woman who birthed rabbits, he knew exactly who was I, I was referring to. He had heard the story before and he just showed like blanket disgust. And um, he's one of those like all or nothing kind of people. Yeah. I was kind of just like, really just like I don't even want to hear about it the woman was clearly demented like imagine da, 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 yeah. da, and you know me having been halfway through this book explaining it from a social point of view I'm kind of like well she most likely didn't do it herself he's like oh it sounds like like he was just so adamant that you know she was just deluded and gross and messed up and not yeah and I just think that's interesting that that's the story that stuck that these tabloids won that this is still yeah. narrative driving forward and the fact that this book only came out in 2020 like this book only came out yeah. last year and it's the the first time historians because this sparked um other newspaper articles like it's the first time of their actually documenting the case from an emotional or from the yeah. social perspective humanizes her yeah humanizes her it's- like what they would have needed back in the 1720s was like Oprah or Louis Theroux or uh, like to kind of give us a more empathetic uh, look into her life, you know, whereas they just uh, characterized her back then. I mean, I feel so, so like, I'm not, like oh, that must have been horrible going what she gone yeah. through this, you know, woman who, and we know nothing about her family, you know, all we know is the accounts from these doctors I mean, I'm under the understanding that I don't think she did it herself. I definitely think it was yeah. some conspiracy. And who knows, maybe the first doctor, John Howard, was involved in it somehow as well. We've no idea. Yeah. What's your theory? So it's interesting to think about it. Like, she might have never come in contact with a doctor. You know, like, women would have given birth back then. And, then, and if, uh, if it had gone well, they wouldn't need to see a doctor. And so like maybe they when when they had the first genuine miscarriage and this like upper class doctor came to visit them, like, yeah, maybe they saw that as a way to bring kind of upper class wealthy people into your life. So, yeah, maybe maybe they did that. Um, I I don't know exactly what I think. I definitely have a lot of sympathy for her, though. I, I think it could have been that she was exploited and made to do it. Or it could have been that she did it herself. And either way, I think I, even if she did it herself, I don't think, I think that that was because she was in a really bad place that we can't even begin to understand what her logic was for doing it. So I, I have, like, I have lots of sympathy for her. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. And I guess that's kind of like the main reason yeah. I wanted to do this is because this is kind of a well-known story, but I kind of want to go away from the narrative that mm. the woman was demented you know it's so funny because people are we're everyone's so much more into talking about mental health these days and then we're so quick to dismiss someone as crazy but it's like well no this is actually what like poor mental health looks like and we can't dismiss that as crazy and she just needs help you know I'm just really happy that Karen Harvey wrote this book The Impostor's Raven Reader I definitely recommend getting that and it also it only came out last year and I think it's important to support good historical work when it gets done yeah 
And it's an easy book to read as well. It's not like too heavy handed on the historical historical stuff. It's I enjoyed reading it. Yeah. Um, And I also think it's important, as we were talking about before, to re-examine how we view these cases. Yeah. So yeah, that's everything I have on... Mary Toft, Mary. That is that was awesome. so interesting. I'm going to go down a mad rabbit hole um, today. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting, Saoirse. A lot of the online accounts contradict each other. Even for, mm. I'm going to say something really stupid. When I first mm. heard about this story, I it took me ages to realize, but were the rabbits alive or dead? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what the thing is, though? Like, because earlier when I asked you, like, how long the labor was going on for, like, was it years or months? But like, the story's so crazy. It's one. It's it's understandable that we start wondering about those things because it's all so crazy. So so why aren't they alive? You know, because it's a mad story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought when I first started. I thought small baby rabbits were mm-hmm. put up there. Those were birthed. Yeah. Um, the story, but then when I looked into it, I was like, oh no, these are parts, rabbit yeah. parts and animal parts. And it's just so gross to to think about. Like it's a form of, that must have been so scary for Mary as well, knowing it was a hoax and being like around, you know, yeah. the doctors. And and she had likely never been out. She'd probably never been in London and would never have gone to London. Like I know Surrey is close London, but back then yeah, y- you were really, really limited. So it would have been so overwhelming, you know, to mm. find yourself all of a sudden in this, wherever she was staying when she was in London, like it would have been very intimidating to her. And she also had, at the time, she had one son, yeah. which probably she wasn't getting to see yeah and then he was probably getting bullied in school or was he in school I don't know like but he, he would have been because yeah. everyone I think he would have been quite young yeah but everyone would have been gossiping about his mom I think he was quite young well, he might not have gone to school yeah so that's it that's that's Mary Toft do you you have anything you'd like to plug um, I don't at all uh normally I would <laughs> plug the shows on Thursday nights and wigwam with mob but yeah we're in a pandemic so <laughs> I have nothing to plug at the moment and if you're listening to this after the pandemic yeah oh that's nice um oh, I wonder what that's like can't wait yes. hope you're out. I hope you're in love in life oh my god yeah, so actually if anyone's listening to this after the pandemic maybe go to wigwam on thursday and see if it's happening or maybe the situation will have maybe wigwam has gone yeah maybe <laughs> you're listening to this from your bunker <laughs> um and in that case be nice to yourself be kind to yourself um yeah yeah and as always i have been your host Sirsha Shanae, which i need to start saying at the start of episodes i keep forgetting to do that well, I have my name plastered all over the episode. I'm sure they know. Sure, they. I'm sure you know my name at this stage. Um, you can find me at Searshipball on Twitter, or if you have specific inquiries about the podcast or podcast ideas, um, you can email absurdrealhistory at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by my company, Scream for Ireland. So do give that a like and all the socials that be sound. If you've been enjoying these episodes, if you think they're interesting, do let me know and let your friends know because it'd be great to keep doing this because I really enjoy doing this. So thank you and thank you, Mary. Thanks so much. I love that.